It can be really hard for us to relax at night. We're always thinking about covering crime. But the good news is our wonderful new sponsor, Via, has a terrific product that helps us unwind. Via Hemp has a wide range of terrific gummies of both the THC and THC-free varieties. They can help you with focus, recovery, sleep, creativity, or just plain enjoyment. These products legally ship to all 50 states. I really liked Zen in particular. This is a yummy blueberry option that lets you catch a chill sleep with help from CBN and CBD. It's really helped me turn off my brain and settle down for the night. I also got a shout out Flow State. It helped me feel energized throughout the day. Like not to brag, but I got a lot done. I'm talking about doing several interviews and editing a whole show from start to finish, not to mention jumping on some of the latest filings in the cases we cover. It really made me feel sharp and ready to tackle any challenge. I couldn't recommend this more. Via has so many great gummy options to choose from. Everything from guava berry low dose that allows you to microdose THC to the chill-inducing Delta 9 gummy dreams. Head to viahemp.com and use code MSHEET to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies. That's viahemp.com and use code MSHEET at checkout. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Enhance your every day with Via Hemp. Again, if you're 21 and over, you can get 15% off plus a free pack of award-winning gummies with our exclusive code, msheet at viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P dot com. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Content warning. This episode contains discussion of murder as well as profanity. Today, we're going to talk about something we have wondered about for years. At virtually the same time the four employees were being taken from the Speedway Burger Chef, Police pulled over a car just a few blocks away. The vehicle had been making erratic movements. In the moments before the officer approached the car, the driver threw a loaded 38 caliber gun out the window. Incredibly, the cop didn't notice and soon sent the man on his way without even giving him a ticket. Since he's never been charged in connection with the Burger Chef murders, we'll refer to that driver as Terry, which is not his real name. But who was Terry? What was he doing so close to the Burger Chef with a loaded gun? 
Did he have anything to do with the murders? Or did he just have the incredible bad luck to be in the worst possible place at an unimaginably wrong time? Well, we finally managed to track him down by discovering his phone number. Before calling him, we decided to brainstorm how to handle the conversation. Kevin first got this man's real name from the late Donovan Lindsay, an Indiana State Police investigator who worked on this case for years. The driver respected Lindsay, and so we figured we'd mention that Kevin had known him and had interviewed him extensively about the case. We also considered how we'd sound to this man, two late-night callers bugging him about his connection to a decades-old cold case. We didn't want to be accusatory, so we decided to convey that we thought of him not as a suspect, but more as a witness who may have seen something important. With that in mind, we gave him a call. Hello. Hi there. My name is Anya Kane. I'm calling with my husband, Kevin Greenlee. Uh, we were hoping to speak to you about the Burger Chef case. Donovan told us that you were sort of a witness that night, and we were curious. No, to- I, was a su- I was a suspect. Oh, really? Can you tell us about that? Who are you now? My name is Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we're The Murder Sheet, a weekly true crime podcast. We're continuing the multi-part look into the Burger Chef murders we began last year. Each week, we will be presenting you with new information and context about what happened as part of our mini-series, you never can forget. We don't just rely on what we've been told or what we've read. We have worked this case ourselves. We decided to do this podcast so we can tell you what we've learned and even clear up a few misconceptions. We're the murder sheet. And this is You Never Can Forget, The Driver. Just a quick note before we share the rest of our conversation with Terry. An interview in many ways is like a casual conversation you might have with a friend. You might switch from one topic to another and then back again, and you may even end up saying the same things more than once. Typically, when we prepare an interview for the show, we do our best to edit the talk to avoid those repetitions and to make the transition from one subject to another more natural to the listener. We've decided not to do that this week. So many people have been so interested in hearing from Terry for so long that we have done an absolute minimum of editing so that you can hear as much as possible from the man himself. That way, you will be able to make your own judgments about him and his story. With all of that in mind, let's rejoin our conversation. Uh, we're, uh, my name's Anya. That's my husband, Kevin. We, we have a podcast on, on the case. So we sort of like research and look into it. We 
got to know Donovan Lindsay through the case and sort of. Okay, got- yeah, I know, I know Donovan. He's a good guy. Uh, he sadly passed away uh, a year or so ago, unfortunately. But um, I am sorry to hear that. Last time I saw him, he had left the state police and went to work for the governor's office. He was a really smart, like, good guy when we when we knew, you know, like he's like a, a, a sweetheart. He was the only one. He was the only one in that case that knew what he was doing. I mean, they they completely blew that case, screwed it all up. How did you get my number? Oh, I'm a journalist, so I have access to some public records and sort of it lists. Sometimes they get who the num- you, numbers wrong. Who do you work for? I work for Insider. Uh, I'm 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 a journalist there. With the introductions out of the way, Terry told us his story. Yes, I got pulled over the night before, or the night that it happened. I got pulled over. I was drinking, and I spun out in the yard, and a speedway cop saw it, pulled me over. So. Uh, sometime after that, they found out through hypnosis, they hypnotized all the police officers on duty that night. And that, and then he remembered pulling me over. I talked him out of arresting me, so I wasn't called in. On any rate, when the officer was uh, hypnotized, he recalled pulling me over. So that's how I got involved with it. But like I said, my number one witness was the cop that pulled me over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my number one alibi but uh there were too many police departments involved in it and they screwed the whole thing up from the get-go they let when they found that the restaurant that the people weren't in the restaurant the next morning they allowed cleaning crew to come in clean everything up and then when the uh johnson county cops found the bodies in in the cornfield they moved them around before forensics got there they totally screwed that case up but Don Lindsay was uh, the only one. He knew the whole time I had nothing to do with it, but they wanted to put me in the paper so they could show the public they were doing something about it. Then they, uh, I agreed to a polygraph test, which they said I had flunked. That's when I pulled out hired my attorney, and we got a polygraph operator named Ken Houck who uh, had worked for the state police and had since retired and was on his own. And we hired him, and I took the test through him. And uh, he told my attorney, he says, I, he told me and my attorney, he said, I know these guys well, and I can't picture and framing you, but I can tell you this, your client has no fucking clue on what happened in that case. So that pretty much shut him down right there. That was the end of me being investigated. You know, because Ken Houck was the bench man for the state police for like 20 years. And uh, there, there, he had, you know, like I said, he had since retired and was on his own, but uh, their polygraph operator claimed that uh, they didn't claim I flunked it, they claimed it was incomplete. But, but uh, when I hired Ken Howe, he, he just threw his pen down on the table and said, You don't know nothing about this case, do you? And I said, Not a damn thing. So that was the end of that. And then afterwards, Lindsay told me that they were trying to use me for uh, media, you know, just to get show the public that they were doing something. They knew I didn't do it. So I Lin- thought they were trying to frame me. So Lindsay Go admitted ahead. that to you? Yeah. Yeah, me and him became friends. In fact, about about two years after they cleared me, well, Ken Howe cleared me, uh, he came into the bar I was drinking in and 
he kept him on around. I said, okay, Lindsay, what's going on? I know you didn't come in here to drink a beer with me. And he said, well, I hate to ask you this, but, and I know what your answer is going to be, but they made me come and talk to you about this, but we think we can have it. We think we know who it is, but we need to get somebody in close to him to get a confession. And uh, we think you, we can set you up with that. And I said, you got to be out of your mind. You cost me a marriage. And not to mention probably 10 years of my life. <laughs> so you can go back and tell your boys I ain't doing it. I wouldn't help them. Since then, I won't help a cop as for any, I won't help a cop for any reason whatsoever because I know how they are. You, you had, want uh, you to spy for, on for them. Pardon me? Oh, who, who did they want you to spy on? Well, I'm not going to say that because I don't know if they're still alive. I've, I've heard over the years, because I keep, you know, I Google it every now and again. I've heard over the years that everybody that they thought did it, that was involved, have died or, or you know, whatever, or in prison. So I don't want to say who that is because, you know, if they killed them four kids, they wouldn't hesitate to kill me. As you heard, Terry indicated he thought he may have been framed. But as we spoke, he backed away from that idea. And, and, you know, in, in hindsight, I look back at it and I, and I don't believe they ever were trying to frame me. I think they were just, because they put me in the paper two or three times in the Indianapolis Star. And, uh, but they never mentioned my name because I was never charged. They just, you know, a 20 something year old Indianapolis man, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and you said this cost you a marriage. Can you talk to us about the, the impact this had on you? Well, that was my first wife, and we had a kid who had uh, urinal tract problems, and it shut down one of his kidneys, and uh, they ended up having to transplant the other one. And right in the middle of all this, my wife, there was five doctors involved with my kid, uh, four of them said that he was too young to do the surgery to pull the kidney out. And one young hotshot said he could do it. And I said, have you ever done it before? He said, not on a kid this young, but I can do it. Because he was two weeks old at the time. So my wife didn't want to do it. She wanted to wait because the other doctor said, if we wait long enough, techno- technology will develop and we can cure him. And I said, but... If we if if it doesn't develop it, they said, well, he'll be dead in three years. So I made the decision against my wife and her family and my family to go ahead and go with the young hotshot. And the kid's alive today. He's in his forties. Matter of fact, he's got he's got a kid. So I made the right decision. But at any rate, right when we were going through all that, is when they came out with the newspaper articles against me. So, and it was on the news, on TV. So they just screwed me over royal. And uh, so I don't like cops. <laughs> I'm not a criminal, never have been. Other than, you know, I drank for years. So that got me arrested a few times. But uh, I didn't do it. They know it. And if you're if you're really a cop, you know it. <laughs> if, oh, you're, if you're not, not like cops. Cops. you're a cop. I promise. But if you cops. are, you know it too, because they knew it. They know I didn't do it. They just come up with them stories for two purposes. One, 
they figured I would break if I did have knowledge of it. But uh, you know the Rolling Stones lips and tongue logo? Yeah. Well, I used to uh, get on my motorcycle and ride around. I had a T-shirt printed up, a long sleeve jersey with the lips and tongue logo. And on the top, it said ISP for Indiana State Police. And below it, it said sucks because I knew they were following me everywhere I went. <laughs> and I'd ride around. I'd ride around, let them see that. Then I'd call them up in, in, in the morning and say, hey, man, I got drunk last night. Don't remember what I did. Could you tell me where I went? <laughs> and my attorney would call me up and say, you can't be doing that to these people. And I said, that's the only way I'm surviving this is by fighting back. <laughs> Got to have a sense of humor about it, right? <laughs> I had I had to do something, and then I would. Uh, one day I I took my car, walked out of my house with a briefcase handcuffed to my wrist, and went to different uh, back of my bank. Went to different branches and went in, and pulled out money and came out. Drove up towards the airport and then turned off as soon as I got to the airport, <laughs> just because I knew they were following me. We went back to our original idea of treating him as a witness, rather than a suspect, and asked him what he had seen that night. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't see anything. I wasn't even on that road. I was in Speedway when I got pulled over, but I was on Cunningham Drive, which is, I don't know, two or three miles away from the Burger Show. But no, I didn't see anything. I just became a suspect. They saw an opportunity to use the media to... But uh, Lindsay knew it the whole time. He was the only one that knew it. And I could tell during the meetings. The first meeting we had was at Speedway Police Department. And after that, you know, I just told him. I looked at him and I said, I looked at Lindsay and said, uh, you know what, I'm, a, I'm leaving now. Uh, if I want to see a, I looked at him and I said, Lindsay, if I want to see clowns, I'll go to a fucking circus. Excuse my language. <laughs> Good line, though. Uh, did did like do you have the sense in terms of you know you mentioned like you were get, kind of getting pulled over from what we understand as this crime was happening so why were they looking at yes. you at like what even because like you were literally all those meters away at the time this would have been happening so do you have a sense of like why they kind of twisted that into like oh he's involved well there was a handgun found near where I was pulled over. So they said, they said, uh, what if we told you that that handgun we found uh, was involved in a murder in California? And I said, well, I guess you would have to uh, put me in California at the time of that murder with that gun in my possession. A weight loss journey can feel like a lonely struggle. But it doesn't have to be. For so many of us, lifestyle changes like deciding to lose weight, adopting a nutritious diet and taking up fun exercises are all about putting our own health and wellness first. But it can be really hard to know where to begin or how to keep the weight off once we've seen some progress. Quick fixes like soup diets and juice cleanses are unsustainable. There's a much better way to embark on this journey that over 200,000 people have already chosen. We're talking about the Row Body Program. Here's how it works. Row gives you access to one of the most 
most popular weight loss shots on the market. Their Real Body program then sets up a comprehensive weight loss program tailored to your specific lifestyle, health status, and goals. In addition to the weekly shot, you get one-on-one coaching with a registered nurse. That can help you adopt and stick with lifestyle changes like exercise routines and nutritious diets. It's a comprehensive program that sees participants lose 15 to 20% of their weight in a year on average. But the real benefit is that you keep that weight off. This is weight loss at its most sustainable. With Roe, the average weight loss is 15 to 20% of your weight in one year in conjunction with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roe.co slash msheet. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. Go to roe.co slash msheet. That's ro.co slash msheet. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Lindsay kind of liked me, the rest of them didn't. But uh, they didn't have anything on anybody because they screwed the case up too bad. They moved the bodies, they cleaned up the restaurant, they had nothing to, and you know, I was out drunk and bar hopping and tell you the truth I was on my way to see a girl and I was married at the time I didn't want to get that out so uh, but and another problem was that $25,000 reward brought a lot of uh, private detectives into the scene that weren't called that they just came in trying to get that reward you know what I'm saying mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So my name kept coming up over and over and over again. And I ran with some pretty serious individuals. I, you know, I rode motorcycles for years. So I, I knew a lot of pretty serious individuals. So, but, uh, Among the bikers, was there any rumor or talk about like who could have been involved or like did anyone hear anything or any like anything like that? The bikers that I knew? Yeah. No. No, they were never in they were never suspects. No. You mentioned. I'm, I'll give you. Yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I worked for a, a company called Amvex. Okay. Okay. Where I drove a I drove a box truck and drove around and uh, picking up donations. People donate clothing and stuff like that. They sold it through thrift stores up in Indianapolis. And one of their things were the cops' deals were. I ran a couple of routes near the area, according to them, in Greenwood, because we ran Greenwood, but we weren't anywhere near in the cornfield, so I don't know where they come up with that. 
but they, you know, according to them, I had knowledge of the area because of that. But I worked for them people, believe it or not. I'd, I'd quit, come in hungover and quit or whatever. But I worked for them 21 different times. Two of them, and they invest. They went in and talked to them about it. The state police did. Went in and talked to the to the uh, office personnel at the AMVETS and, and co-workers. And they hired me back twice after that. So they knew I didn't do it, or they wouldn't have hired me back. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes sense. Yeah. It, uh, so at any rate, when, when all that stuff was going down with my son and then uh, the news with that my wife couldn't take it she, she put me out so and then I was with my second wife when Lindsay approached me in that bar asking me to work undercover for her. <laughs> I can't believe I'm talking about this after all them years as we spoke Terry kept returning to the idea of wanting more information about us so that he could confirm we were who we said we were so, Anya told him about the article she wrote about this case for Insider. I'm sorry I missed your... You said you work for Insider? Yeah, I work... It's like a news website. Uh, I Oh, a website, okay. If you look up on, on, on Google, I think it's like, the, it's like the Burger Chef case still baffles police after 42 years or something, and uh, is the headline. And then I... We, uh, I that's how I met Kevin, actually, because I talked to him, and then we both sort of fell into this and it's just been, it's one of those rabbit holes, right? Where like you kind of get invested in it. It's, it's one of those things like the police messed it up so badly in the beginning that it's sort of like, there's no fingerprints. There's no, <laughs> there's no evidence. Right? They, they cleaned the restaurant. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. So we're very interested in your experiences uh, with the police because they bungled this. Every, all the all of them, every one of them. Lindsay would have stood if if, if they'd have kept everybody out except Lindsay and whoever he wanted to hand pick. I believe they'd have solved. But you know, he, well, even then, no, they wouldn't have because you know, by the time they brought him in, the restaurant had already been cleaned and the crime and the, where they found the bodies had already been messed up. So, talking about the police reminded Terry of the pressure he felt they put him under and how he reacted to it. I did a lot of a lot of things, but that was to keep my sanity. Like I said, you know, I had to do something to, you know, because I thought I was being framed. I really did for quite a while. And then, like I say, I finally hired my attorney, and then Ken Hout came in. And Ken Hout worked for state police for twenty years, and he threw his pen down on the table, said, "This guy doesn't know nothing about this." Yeah, that's that's really and impressive. My, my, and my yeah. Yeah, Ken Hawk, I imagine he's probably passed by now, too, because he was old when, when he tested me. But he even said that he tested the guy that gave me the test for state police, and he said he wasn't a very good student at all. I don't know why they even used him on a case like that. But, uh, oh, oh, yeah, what I was going to tell you, I drove a Mazda. And when I was in their office at the speed the first time I met with them and I said you think I did this? Yeah I said tell me this my car is a four seat car the police officer pulled me over can tell you that you want to tell me how I got four people in there and drove them to Greenwood? (laughs) (laughs) It's 
pretty good question. Yeah, that is an excellent question. Well, and here's another another stupid stupidity on their part. I sold that car to a friend of mine, and it because it had trouble, it started running funny and all that. And I was, you know, at that time my wife and I had split up, and I needed money, so I sold my car to a friend of mine. And he worked on it over a period of a few months and sold to a girl that we both knew. And then after she had it six months, they came and got it and took it into the lab to inspect it. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I don't, yeah, yeah. They were, you know, and and Lindsay was involved in that. So, you know, because by then he was thoroughly involved in it. So, yeah, they, uh, what they, what can, is there anything I can help you with other than telling you I didn't do it? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, I just, if, if you don't mind, we're just going to ask you a couple of the standard questions we ask everyone just to kind of cover our bases. But and also, so the story is that you had a gun that you threw out the window. And of course, that gun was tested and was not used during the murders. Is that story true? Yes. Uh, some people say the gun was actually inside a Burger Chef cup. Was that true? No. <laughs> I didn't even like Burger Chef. I'm, I was a McDonald's man. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! There's so much embellishment over the years with this, with with all these stories. But that's why we want to ask because was there a reason you happened to have the gun with you that night? I just carried a gun. I guess the police are pulling you over. Naturally, you don't want them to see you with a gun. So I, I didn't have a permit. Right. So I tossed it out the window. I guess I can say that, because even if they are cops, that's been so many years ago. There ain't, you know. Yeah, yeah. We're not cops, and there's, there's no crime. The statu- if there was, the statute of limitations on that ran out a long time ago. Well, unless it was involved in a murder somewhere, unless they were telling the truth, but there again, put me in that state with that gun in my position. Yeah, and, and cops always <laughs> lie. I mean, cops frequently lie in interrogation. They sessions. don't frequently lie. They lie all the time. Yeah. Yeah, try I, uh, to trick people. Yeah. I used to live in Beach Grove, and I knew I knew a bunch of cops there, and uh, all of them lied. I mean, I, I, I got arrested several times, if you probably know that, since you know me. Uh even when I pleaded guilty, most of it was drunk-related. Even when I pleaded guilty, every single time I went to court, the cop lied. <laughs> so, you know, put me on a jury. I'll screw their game up big time. <laughs> uh, one of the stories in the newspaper said that you uh, had a friend who lived over in the uh, Big Eagle Apartments that was right around the corner there in Speedway. Was that true? I don't think so. It, it's possible. I've had, I had a, you know, I knew a lot of people. Big Eagle Park. I'm trying to remember where that's at. It's right there, a few blocks away from Cunningham. That could have been where I was going to see the girl. Yeah, that makes sense. Did, did you know any of the victims, or have you ever heard of, of any of them? No, but there was a there was a girl that 
was a friend of one of them that got hired at a company I worked at and I worked in a pipe insulation company and they hired a girl to work in the office there. And she, one of the, one of the victims was a friend of hers. I can't remember which one. And I thought that was a setup. <laughs> oh, seriously? Was, it kind of sounds yeah, like that it. Was, yeah, it does sound like it. Yeah, it's too damn coincidental that, you know, one of the victim's best best friends would get hired on at the company I worked at. And if they were and asking... that company... Yeah? That company knew I was a suspect, too. And if somebody asked you to work undercover, it's easy to believe they asked somebody else to work undercover against you. Right. Well, and another thing, too, I found out through friends of mine that they would, they would go... go they would go talk to friends of mine. They'd do a photo layout, okay? And uh, a couple of my friends were smart enough to notice that uh, each layout would have a picture of me in, in different, dressed differently. So they kept shoving my picture into different photo layouts. Everybody that knew me knew it was bullshit. It, it sounds like they were gunning for you, though. Oh yeah, you know they had me had me on news on in the papers without mentioning my name. You you lived on the west side at that time, is that right? Yes. At the time that uh, they started coming out with the news stories, I was on the east side. Okay, I have a question. How did you? Because t- I ask because I'm I'm a recovering alcoholic, and I just imagine myself in the situation. But how did how did you talk your way out of getting arrested that night? I told the truth. I told the guy. Of course, I threw a little of emotion into it. Oh man, oh man, I'm married and I'm on my way to see my girlfriend. Oh man, what's my wife gonna say? And the cop took pity on me. Do you remember that cop's name, or did did he not give it to you? No. Yeah. No, because I was drunk. Yeah. I mean, not drunk. Not, not my definition of drunk, but I was drinking. And at any rate, uh, when I talked to him, I the guy I'd been out with earlier drinking with, I used him as a witness to say that you know, we, we were out far out. And he's the one that told gave me up on the told him that I'm the one that, threw the gun, that I threw the gun out the window. So, and like I said, you know, if at the time it was going on, I was pulled over by a cop. That's a good alibi. And uh, I had a four seat, a four, a driver and then three passengers. That's how big that car was or how small that car was. How am I going to get four people in there, hold a gun on them to take them to Johnson County and drive at the same time? Well, I guess I could have had one of them drive it, and where would I sit? <laughs> yeah, that would that would be a mess. And I feel so sorry for their families. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. It's uh, it's been very hard on them. I, I appreciate you talking with us, and I feel bad that it sounds like the police really harassed you and really did some serious oh, damage did. to your life. They did until I until I brought that lawyer in and. Uh, and, and here's another thing too. The lawyer work. Are you in Indi- Where are you from? Are you in Indianapolis? We're in Indianapolis now. Yeah. We're on the south side. Okay, so you know, uh, uh, the hell's the name? Melanchthon and Hughes Law Firm. Yes. 
Okay, well, my lawyer worked for them. Okay, Langton and Hughes will not represent anybody that they believe is guilty of a violent crime. That should have been their first. That should that should have been their first giveaway right there. They've got standards that they won't compromise. But uh, yeah, I, I feel terrible for their families uh, having to go through all that bullshit. But you know, I mean, how bad how bad can you screw a case up? <laughs> I'm curious, like being from the West Side, did you ever hear anything like that the Speedway police were corrupt or sketchy or anything like that? Were what? Like corrupt? Oh no, I just you know everybody always knew they were stupid. <laughs> I mean that was common knowledge before that case ever came out you know it couldn't have happened those guys couldn't have picked a better place to pull off that crime we asked Terry if he had a theory about what motivated the murders but my personal opinion is I believe it was drug related because I believe the uh, black kid wasn't supposed to work that night or something like that and he owed uh he got called in or something. My memory isn't that good, but because you know I'm 66 now, but uh, he wasn't supposed. Somebody there wasn't supposed to work that night, and the, maybe it was that the black kid owed a drug dealer money or something. That's what I heard. What do you think about all this now? You must kind of sit and be like, "This, what an insane situation to go through." Well, and you know. Uh, I called my attorney one night and said, man, I'm having nightmares over this shit. And just so happened, my attorney had the same doctor that I did. And he had, and his office was closed on Wednesdays. And uh, he came to pick me up one day, my attorney did, and went to my doctor's office. And I said, what are we doing here? He said, well, we're going to talk to Dr. Mo about your nightmares. And uh, he put me on, uh, I can't remember what kind of downers it was, but but uh, I took him for two days and called him up and said, I can't do this, man. I can't. This has got me too too down. I can't. I, it's like I couldn't fight. I did, it took my fight away from me. And he said, well, he said, uh, it's going to be years before this really hits you. And it was. It took me years for it to really sink in. And I guess that's mainly because I let my anger handle it. Don't get me wrong. I didn't go out and do anything over it. Okay. <laughs> right. I just developed my anger. To, you know, I mean, not to mention the fact that I'm a Rolling Stones fan. I've seen them four different times in my life, so I'm kind of anti-authority anyway. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But, uh, wow, I can't believe I'm talking to somebody about this all these years later. It's kind of funny to me that they thought that you would work undercover for them. Well, you know, like I said, Lindsay, Lindsay and I got pretty friendly after it was all over with. You know, I'd run into him. My, my uh, second wife worked downtown, so I'd, I'd run into him every now and then down around the state office building. Well... Can I ask you something? And I'm, I'm, I apologize if this is a weird question, but it's based on something Lindsay told us and I'm curious did you did you did you name your son after him or something like that I did 
Okay, I'll be honest. We thought when he told us, when we thought he was, we thought he was BS pulling our leg because he had kind of a sense of humor. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, uh, and the reason why is because I think he's the one that saved me from getting framed. I mean, I, th- I, you know, I think that because he did tell me, he said, you know, first at one point he told me they were trying to use me for news meeting. Another point, another time he told me they were trying to frame me. This was after it was all over and done with, and I was over the clear. You know, he also told me that I had nothing to worry about unless in the future other cops pick it up as a cold case, then I might have to go through it again. But, you know, now I know that they have a copy of that uh, lie detector test, which wouldn't keep me, wouldn't, you know. I mean, you can't use them in court, but it's obvious that I didn't do it. And I just, the reason why I thought I was being framed is I just can't see how you can put me in that situation when I was being pulled over by a cop. Their theory on that, one of their theories that they told me about was that uh, I was involved in it and chickened out. You know, and drove away. With who? With what accomplices? They never came up with that. Yeah. I, think, I guess that's why they were following me the whole time. Uh, do you remember if the police car, when they pulled you over, did they have like sirens or just a flashing light or what? I don't know. I don't think he put a siren on. He just—he was coming from the opposite direction. He saw me spin out. He just did a U-turn, turned his lights on. I, as I was pulling over, I tossed my gun out. Right. Do you have a sense, and, and the reason, and we were asking this for a specific reason, but do you have a sense of the lights could have been seen from the burger chef. The reason we ask that is because there's been a theory that whatever was happening there, the people saw the lights and panicked. Hmm. I don't think so. But I don't know. It always struck me as way too far away. But other people say that they think maybe light could have traveled. So it's, it's one of those things that's always been a debated thing. I don't, I don't think so. It was pretty heavily. I mean, there was a lot of houses around. That's how the gun got found. Uh, the yard I spun out, or where I got pulled over, I threw it in somebody's yard. And the next day, the guy came out, picked it up. Did you, so by, you, did you by any chance go there to try to find the gun yourself? Yes, yes. I went back the next morning with the friend of mine that I used as an alibi. So I, w- I was and told he, that was Morris Wright. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Is he still alive? He actually passed away a couple of years ago, too. Damn. Yeah, huh. it's, it's sad. A lot of people, uh, you know. I'm, I'm sorry. I know he was your friend. Well, not really, because, you know, after after he snitched me out over the gun, <laughs> that ended our friendship. Yeah, I can understand that. But I did. Once everybody found out about it, that he snitched me out, everybody turned against him. All of, all of our mutual friends turned against him. So I went back 
and hooked back up with him just briefly just to let everybody see us together again so they would think, well, if he's not mad at him, we can't be mad at him. Just to save him from losing all of his friends. That was really nice of you. I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, why, why should I screw his life up? Because, you know. And Terry had a question for us. One about Don Lindsay. Tell me the truth now. Did he think I did it? He was always pretty cagey. You know, he'd never tell you what exactly he would think. Terry again spoke of his high regard for Lindsay. Well, I did like him. That's, that's and I and I do believe that they would have went ahead with the arrest. Had I believe he stepped stepped in front of them a few times to keep them from arresting him. Do you remember? Particularly when they, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, do you remember who the guys in Speedway were who were looking at you, like any of the detectives' names there? No. No, I only saw them that one time. The very first meeting I had, uh, there was about four of them, and Appleby and uh, Lindsay in the chief's office. When the chief started pounding his fist on the desk, saying, this, you got to get this off of your chest, man. you got to get smoked off your back or some kind of stupid shit. That's when I walked out. After that, they wouldn't have, Lindsay told me he wasn't going to let them near me after that. Do you have a sense of why they didn't charge you for the gun? You know, like that would have, you know what I mean? Like they would have had that leverage, but like it, did they just not have enough evidence there? Well, I think carrying a gun without a permit, I think that's a mystery in this, isn't it? Yeah. So it's, yeah. Oh, there you go. So they got to witness it. Right. I don't know. Either that or they thought. Well, and another thing, too, is that, you know, from the way they kept following me, I think they wanted me out on the street. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you know if they're going to start looking at me again? I'll tell you the truth. I don't think they're really doing much of anything on the case. (laughs) Terry's attention returned to the car he'd been driving that night, which the police later took and searched. He wondered if they could have found anything which could today be tested for DNA. And that, I guess they probably didn't find any in that geo after I sold it to, after it went through two other people. Yeah, that's so <laughs> ridiculous. And of course, they tested the gun, and it was not used in the murders, the Burger Shop murders. So that was also, yeah. But they claim it was used as a murder in California. Then again, you still got to, you know, people buy stolen guns all the time. Yeah, and I don't know if it was stolen or not. I can't even remember who I bought it from, but I bought it from somebody I knew. Obviously, uh, just because you know, back in them days, I carried a gun. I don't anymore, and have for years and years because you know, I've never found myself in a position where I had to have one. Right. But you know, I just I came from rough neighborhoods, and you know all that so you know, carrying a gun was a thing to do back then back then with the crowd okay picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road with available H-Track all wheel drive and three row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. The big question, of course, is does Terry have any idea who committed the Burger Chef murders? No, I don't have any knowledge of who did it. I went through a lot of paranoia for years and years over that, thinking everybody was out to get me, even my second wife. Sometimes I, you know, asked her if she was working for the cops. <laughs> I mean, it screwed my life up. There's no doubt about it. And the bad part of it is, is you know, I, I, I accused my first wife of being involved in the, in the frame. I accused my second wife. I didn't trust anybody, period particularly cops, but, you know, that had a lot to do with, like I said, every time I ever went to court, they lied. I'm, I'm sorry you've dealt with all this. I, that's, I mean... It's nothing compared to what the family of the victims must still be going through. Yeah, I know, I know there's a lot of, a lot of pain, and they all sort of deal with it in different, different ways, but it's just, it's a, one of those things, like, you know, if there were answers, that would be great. But it's like every time you like, every time you look at something that seems promising, it sort of fades away. You know, like you'll be like, it just—I don't know. Well, I'm 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 pretty sure that after this conversation's over, I'm going to wonder again. <laughs> can we text you like a a link to our show or something, or like my article, so you can see that we are who we say we are? Sure. Matter of fact, I'd like to stay in touch with you, if you whenever you get the time. We'd, give me a call, text me, or whatever. We we definitely we'd love to do that. For all his talk about blaming the police for wrecking his life, Terry also said he recognized he shares the responsibility. Part of me says they didn't screw my life up because they're not the ones that told me to go driving down the road drunk, throwing a gun out the window in the middle of the night. And you're right. It was a matter of uh, wrong place, wrong time. I'm sorry. And I, I can certainly and tell as you. And as, as a result of that, my distrust over everybody meant that I fucked over both my wives. I deserved for both of them to get rid of me. And it was all because I didn't trust anybody. I couldn't. I couldn't allow myself to. 
and I still probably three or four times this year I've, I've thought about it and wondered if they're ever going to come back on not my wife the cops right I mean they uh, don't have any evidence against you <laughs> yeah but you know I don't want to go through that shit again yeah yeah and I got we've talked to other people who've dealt with the state police from that time and they did some bad things harassing people so uh, we've heard that before and I'm sorry you had to go through that. Yeah. They screwed a lot of people up over this shit. They screwed up the family by screwing up the crime scenes. You know, both scenes. And then they, I'm sure, you know, like you said, I'm sure there's a bunch of more people out there like me that they screwed over. And when they did it to me, it caused, it didn't cause me because, you know, I'm a firm believer and you make your own choices. But I didn't always think that way. I mean, I spent years thinking everybody was out to get me, including my wife, even my brother at one point. I thought he was involved. I mean, because I was so damn paranoid and and still am to an extent. Still paranoid. Um, But I would really, 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 you don't know how much. You don't you don't know how much I wanna hear if they finally found out who did it. So I can sit down and say I mistreated a lot of people over my paranoia from that shit. God. I'm really sorry. How did how did you start to get over all that paranoia? Well, like I said, I, I haven't yet. I mean, it's still there. It's, it's just not as bad as, you know, <clears throat> it's, uh, it's, you know how they say time heals all wounds? It doesn't. It just allows you to learn how to live with it. So I still don't trust people. I, uh, <clears throat> neighbors, you know, I don't, I don't make friends. Hell, even my sisters. I had uh, my sisters. I was close to two of my sisters here last few years. There's times I don't trust them. I think they're up to shit. And it's and I now that I think about it, it goes back to that. It doesn't go back to reality. They're actually out to get, do something, but it's just that mentality, you know. But uh, it's a heavy thing to go through. Look at look at going to prison for the rest of your life or something you don't know nothing about it must have been so terrifying well that's that's where the and I did have that shirt that said Appleby sucks I had Appleby sucks and ISP sucks but I didn't have anything against Lindsay 
<laughs> but, you know, and that's, you know, it's that anti-authority, because I was a Stones fan before that shit ever happened, so I was always kind of anti-authority anyway, and that goes back to a bad childhood. And uh, not trusting the system. When I was eight years old, uh, I was babysitting my four little sisters and the cops came neighbor. My mom was gone and I was babysitting them. When my mom went down the street, my nosy neighbor called the cops and they came in and put us all in the children's home. And uh, <clears throat> up to that point, I went to church all the time, even as a little child. And uh, in the children's home, they had the girl's side and the boy's side and you weren't allowed to communicate with the girl's side. Well, I had four sisters over so I uh, come home from school one day to the children's home, Marion County Guardian's home. And they caught me waving at my sister on the other side of the yard where the, their, the girls played. I was waving at them and they made me stay in my room or in the dorm for two weeks. And when I come out the dorm, uh, my sisters were gone. They'd been sent to foster home, so... Uh, that's when I went down and sat on the stairs going down to the gymnasium. And I looked up God and said, fuck you. And for years, for years, I was mad at God and everybody else. And then the burger chef shit came along. So, so I thank God for the Rolling Stones. That's all I can say. <laughs> there you go. Even though I'm not very happy with them now for the last, you know, shit, they don't write music anymore. All they do is run around and, you know, Paul McCartney called them a cover band. I said, well, hell yeah, they are, but they're covering their own music. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All they do is keep, all they do is keep re-releasing shit. <laughs> I want something new. <laughs> Have you ever seen them? Have you ever seen the Stones? No, I, I have to confess, I was a huge Beatles fan <coughs> in high school, but I also still I love I love the their early stuff and 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 the whole vibe. But we I haven't seen them. I don't uh, think you. Well, have I was Kevin. no. When I started playing guitar, uh, that's that's what I played most of was Beatles. <coughs> but you know, then the Stones started coming up. Beatles were saying, "I want to hold your hand." Stones are saying, "Get off my cloud." <laughs> I kind of like get off my. Yeah, <laughs> my wife, my second wife, uh, didn't like the Stones. Hated. My son did too, and I think a lot of that had to do with I played it all the time. But uh, she wouldn't go see him. And I, one day I was sitting at Post Road in Washington Street, and the Stones had already sold out that that particular concert they came into town for, and uh, it was a Voodoo Lounge tour. And I was sitting at the stoplight. And there's a Karma Records right there, or it used to be. And uh radio announcer came on and said, well, the Stones just realized they just finished putting up their, stand, their stage and realized they've got some more seats left. You can get tickets at, at Karma. And I said, that's it. I whipped in the Karma Records right there and bought two tickets. Got on my bag phone and called my wife and said, I bought two tickets. You're going to go see the Stones. <laughs> she said, okay. So we went to see him after that. She told her, and she couldn't sit down. Stones don't let you sit down until they play a slow song. <laughs> and uh, uh, 
So she was right up there with everybody, jumping up and down. And afterwards, she told everybody she knew, I still don't like him, but if you ever get a chance to see him, go see him. <laughs> you kind of bully- converted her. <laughs> oh. No, she still don't like him, still didn't like him, but... But you know, you just can't sit still when when the stones are up. When the stones start playing, you you're up on your feet. They don't let you sit down. That's incredible. About the third song, they'll say we're going to do a slow one now to give you a break, <laughs> so no one passes out. <laughs> <laughs> Around this time, our pit bull Lanny came into the room and started demanding attention. This made Terry reminisce about a pit bull he once owned. Yeah, like I say, I, I had one one time. He was a trip. The guy that only before I got him was, uh, I don't know what he did, but this dog would eat fireworks. You like fireworks and throw them out. Snatch bottle rockets out of the can, <laughs> put in the bottle rockets in a, That's crazy. in a coffee can. He'd run out there and snatch them up. A big lighter, you flick the big lighter, you better be lighting something. Because if you're just flicking it, he's going to snatch it out of your hand and chew it up till it blows up in his mouth. He was nuts. <laughs> and kill crazy. Anything kind of, we we lived in Florida one time and he had a we had a cow pasture next to us and this a bull come come through the fence one day he was walking through the yard. That bulldog nailed that bull, bounced off of him, kept hitting him, bouncing off. Finally he uh, snatched snatched onto his ear and started his little hanging off that bull's ear and the bull laid down on his side. So here we are trying to figure out how to get that dog off that bull. And I'm talking these are some of the biggest bikers you've ever seen. And uh, we had to take a, he had, he had uh, teeth missing on both sides of his jaw. Get, uh, we had a big screwdriver to get right down in there and pop his jaw open. So we did that, but you should have seen all these bikers taking off running when that bull jumped up. <laughs> this dog was nuts. We returned once more to the subject of the police. Well, and most cops embellish like I said uh, you know I say lie but they embellish it because so they can get the case to ensure that they get the case uh, you know like I said you know I got pulled over one time in Beach Grove for DWI and over the years I've had both of my big toes smashed and then I wrecked my motorcycle one time and, and screwed up my ankle so I can't walk a straight line dead sober okay and the Beach Grove cop pulled me over and said, I need you to get out here and take this test. And I said, I can't do it, dude. I got out of the car, and I said, I'm going to tell you right now, I can't walk straight by him. And I told him why, and I said, uh, you need to take me to one of your machines and let me blow into that. He got a court told the judge that I fell out of my car, couldn't get up. I said, lying piece of shit. And I pleaded guilty to that case. <laughs> they offered me a deal, and I pleaded guilty to it because, you know, I flunked the test anyway. So but, like he didn't uh, even need to lie. He just was lying because he could. Just to embellish it. Yep. And every time I ever went to court, I saw that. That time that the, that the cops came, when I was a little kid and the cops came in there and, and took me and my sisters away, I had, I set them all in one bed to read them a bedtime story and then was going to send them to their bed, individual beds. The cop got up in court and told, told the judge that uh, we only had one bed. Because we were, you know, I had all my sisters sitting in one bed when I was reading them the story. So, yeah, they lied. All my life, I'd seen them lie. I called the cops one day when I was 11 years old because I found a phone booth. I don't know if you remember them. (laughs) (laughs) 
but somebody had busted the box, coin box, out of the phone booth, and I called the cops and told them about it, and I waited for them. They came here and blamed, blamed it on me, tried to accuse me of doing it, and I said, I got no money on me. I got no tools. <laughs> Why would you call the cops if you were the one doing it? That doesn't make, like, an 11-year-old is not, is not that, <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense. No, it's, but that's cops. My, my heart goes out to you with your sisters because I have three sisters. I'm the oldest, so I can't even imagine what my childhood would have been like if, if something, you know, like that had happened. You know, I, I can't imagine the level that your your faith in the system was just totally shattered by that. Yeah. Well, and then my mom remarried. My mom, my dad had left when I was eight years old. That's what threw everything to hell and back. And there were six of those kids, but by the time all this happened, uh, my brother was in boy school. He was a hood. And, uh, but uh, my mom, to get us kids out of the foster home, she got remarried to get us, so she could get us home. And uh, he turned, he was an alcoholic. He ended up, he turned up beating on him, beating on her, beating on us. We lived in total fear. And by the time I turned 14, I couldn't take it anymore. I, left home. I ran away and lived with a bunch of hippies over on the west side. Uh, been on my own, own ever since. So I had a pretty rough childhood, you know, so uh, what didn't take much for me to get mad at the cops <laughs> when yeah. the burger chef popped up. The burger chef murders is something that often comes to mind for Terry, especially when it gets close to November 17th, the date the four victims were kidnapped from the restaurant. Usually I'll think about it every every November, but this year I didn't. But when the 17th rolled around, I remember thinking, is this somebody's birthday or what? So you see what I'm saying? Time, as time goes by, I get further away from it. But uh, up, up, up until this year, this I believe this is the first year that I didn't think about it. As far as, I mean, I thought about it, that, you know, as far as that on the actual date, I didn't think about it so that's a good sign huh yeah it is you're (laughs) finally moving on and then here are we bumbling into things and making you think about all this awful stuff (laughs) actually it's a relief to talk to somebody about it as far as the gun as far as the gun goes uh, I mean Everybody knew I had it anyway. Everybody, everybody, all my friends, because that's how they, you know, knew that more snitched me out was over that gun. So everybody knows I had that gun. Everybody knows I threw it out of the car. And everybody knows that's how I became a suspect. <laughs> but uh, if they ever do arrest me, I hope I live long enough to go to trial because I want to get up there and see how they can. I want to get up there and ask that prosecutor, how did I put four people in that car and drive it? <laughs> That's a really good question. And and where's the where's the cop that was my alibi? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I don't believe that they could have seen seen lights from that house. But it's been so many years, I don't really know. It just seems to me it was heavily wooded, and and it was either trees or houses. You know, I don't think it was a clear shot, but I could be wrong on that. I don't even remember how to get to Cunningham. And with that. Our conversation with Terry drew to a close. We would like to thank him for taking the time to talk with us. We imagine it was a bit alarming to get a call like that from two strangers, and we appreciate that he opted to open up to us about the case and his experience. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of The Murder Sheet. As always, thanks to Kevin Tyler Greenlee, who composed the music for The Murder Sheet, and who you can find on the web at kevintg.com. To keep up with the latest on The Murder Sheet, please make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Murder Sheet, and on Facebook at MSheet Podcast, or by searching Murder Sheet. If you enjoy listening to The Murder Sheet, please leave us a five-star review to help us gain more exposure. And send tips, suggestions, and feedback to murdersheet at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>